0: Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you find acceptance after loss. I'll also be interviewing powerlifter and motivational speaker Chris Ruden. He shares his inspirational story of being born with a congenital birth defect, but through hard work and dedication, he turned what could have been a stumbling block and created a stepping stone. For more information about Chris, please visit ChrisRuden.com or follow him on Instagram at ChrisRuden. That's R U D E N. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on this same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturday at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name James Miller Lifeology or simply go to jamesmillerlifeology.com. go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. Acceptance after loss. Life happens to all of us. In my field, we have a fancy term that's called radical acceptance. Radical acceptance basically means you'd create a snapshot of your life right this minute and you accept the facts as they are. You remove the emotion from it, but you create the facts of your life at this moment. At the end of this interview, you're going to hear me speak a little bit about this with my guest, but I wanted to create a segment around this because I think it's really important for each one of us to understand how to move beyond what was versus what is. Each one of us has experienced extreme loss before. That can be through heartache. That can be from the loss of a job, health issues, bankruptcy, the loss of someone. We've all experienced something in our life. And after the appropriate time of grieving, it's important to then accept the facts as they are. One thing I really want us to understand is if something traumatic has happened in our life, it doesn't mean that if someone did something to us that we say it's okay that they did this. It causes them not to take responsibility or minimizes the situation in any way. It's just simply taking stock of your life right this minute. The difference is, is when people unfortunately get caught up in everything that they've lost, their future looks very bleak. They think of all the things they could do or all the things they've experienced in their past, and that's what they focus on. With radical acceptance, you focus on the facts as they are, and then what do you do with those facts? Many times, people can focus on the way the situation currently is, but they don't focus on what they can do. They focus on what they lost. And once my past was good, my current situation is bad. You cannot compare the two because they are essentially different. That person you were during that time prior to the event is not who you are today. Traumatic events change us. We can either evolve or become stagnant and resentful and bitter. Now, once again, this does not minimize anything you've experienced. It just simply allows you to determine what you're going to do. Now, radical acceptance is not a one and done. Essentially, you wake up one day and say, okay, what is different? How do I accept life as it is now and I move beyond this? This is a lifestyle because what is always has the opportunity to remind you of what was. The mindset that you create with this radical acceptance continually moves you forward, continually moves you in the direction of things you can do versus things you cannot do. Redefining who you are today is the most important step because if you create your snapshot of your life based on who you were, you'll never fully embrace who you are today. Remember to remove the concept of good and bad, today is worse than yesterday, or I'll never be able to do this again. Those Concepts do have you focus on what was and not on what is. I often help people think of their current situation like a Rubik's Cube. The Rubik's Cube has six different sides. If you look at your past through one side of the Rubik's Cube, then yes, that is all you're going to see. At this time of your life, you have another version, another side in which to spin that cube to see what your new life looks like. Not your better life, your new life. A question to ask yourself anytime you go through trauma and after the grieving process has ended, Is what are you learning about yourself? What have you learned about yourself? Did you realize you had resilience? Did you realize you have tenacity? Did you realize that you have the will to live, even though perhaps you didn't think you could or wanted to? Did you realize that you overcame adversity? Did you realize that you have more strength than you thought? On the other side of your experience, with continual radical acceptance, your story is going to help someone else move beyond their trauma, their event, their loss. So I really want to encourage you that regardless of where you were versus where you are today, do not compare those two. They will always be different. Different is not good or bad. It's just simply different. What was will never be, but what will be is what you decide it will be. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv and sign up for the free weekly recap. My guest today is Chris Rudin, who was born with a congenital birth defect that manifested in a short arm and only two fingers on one hand. Growing up, he was bullied and embarrassed, but Chris found powerlifting and fitness to become the elite athlete he is today. He regularly speaks to youth with disabilities in order to motivate them to recognize that every stumbling block can be a stepping stone. Welcome to my show, Chris.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: I am looking forward to this interview. You have so many amazing things that you've overcome and so many things you've done. So I know you're definitely going to inspire my listeners today. Now, born with a congenital birth defect, that is, you know, obviously there's a difference if someone's diagnosed with something later on in life, but you started out in life as society or people perceiving you a certain way. Can you walk us through that? What was growing up like for you?
1: Absolutely. So I was born with two fingers on my left hand and a shorter left arm. And you know, I grew up in a very uh, poor area. You know, we went to the church to get food. We we're on welfare, and um, that on top of growing up with a disability, I knew immediately that I was different. Sure, um, I went through a lot from bullying to you know depression to later in life, you know, getting into the wrong thing and hanging with the wrong people. But I always tried to hide it from my parents. You know, mm-hmm. I never really wanted them to know because I was embarrassed. You know, I was embarrassed that they that their kid was getting made fun of I was embarrassed that like I wasn't you know good enough Mm -hmm. so I never really wanted them to know until you know finally one day I just had enough and when I told them their reaction kind of just like changed the way I viewed my disability. In what way? So uh, I always used to come home after school and whether it was a bad day you know I was getting made fun of or You know, people would call me like a monster because I I, I look different and they wouldn't pick me for certain sports when I was younger. So one day, just this one kid, this kid named Patrick just got to me. And I I remember going home and like running in the bathroom and I was like, tears were rolling down my face. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you are a monster. Mm. It's like, I was just. So down on myself, I couldn't hide it from my mom anymore. I was like, Mom, I don't want this. You're a nurse, fix this. I don't want to be disabled. I don't want to be, I don't have this gross arm. I'm tired of being the monster. And then just seeing my mom break down and cry, and all she could really really say was, I'm sorry. Sure, you know, and what could she do? Yeah, of course, exactly. There's nothing you can do as a parent, you know, and she's a nurse too. So to be in the medical field, it's like. Ah, uh, man, I can't imagine what that would be like. So it was like in that moment, I was like, okay, I have to do something else. Mm-hmm. I'm complaining about it, it's not going to work. Not to say that that was my ultra defining moment where I decided, what do I want to do with my life? But that was one of the many moments that was I was a mind shift, of course. Yeah, I had to. I had to do something different, you know?
0: But I think also just from a child seeing their parents feel so helpless. And these are my words, not yours, but to see, see your your mom just hurting so much. It, it helps you realize that it's not just you who's struggling. You know, it's not just you who has that, that quote disability. It's your, your your parents, they want to give you every, your mom want to give you everything. And she wasn't able to, and this is one thing she could not do. I'm sure everything else she would do her best to do. It sounds like she's an amazing woman, but this is one thing she couldn't do. And so I think with you had that awareness and that epiphany that, wow there are other people who are hurting who are close to me. And what can I do to be protective of them as well?
1: Exactly. So it started to lead me to think like, all right, if I can't change my situation, what can I change? Mm -hmm. What can I do? There has to be something I can do, you know, instead of, you know, living this life of, you know, oh, I can't do anything about it. The ball isn't in my court. I was like, how can I kind of, you know, get some control over my life? And it turns out I did have control just over my thoughts and my behaviors and my reactions to the situations that I found myself in. So that was kind of like the starting point for everything that I've built today.
0: When you look at your perception, how it started to shift, where did it come from a place of disability or deficit to a place of, once again, like you said, I can't control this.
1: There was was multiple moments, you know, uh, that was like a, okay, emotional moment. I know something needs to change, but I'm not sure what going Mm -hmm. to high school. I was very uh, competitive, you know, because of my disability or because of my reaction to my disability, I should say. um, I did all kinds of weird stuff. You know, I played drums. I I wore a glove for 17 years. I hid my hand because I was embarrassed. But I hid my hand and still did things that I was out in the spotlight. You know, I always wanted to mm. be in the spotlight and kind of perform. So I played drums with a drumstick through the finger hole. I did martial arts. I was the captain and starter of the dance team in my high school. <laughs> That's cool. I was never like the conventional guy who played sports. Yeah. It's funny, I ended up getting a degree in exercise science, but I still to this day don't like sports. So it's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. So mm. being competitive definitely pushed me to see what I could do the abilities you know but in a healthy way it wasn't until i got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes that the huge mental shift happened and oh, that's gosh, yeah. i turned that whole obstacle into an opportunity and tried to create my adversity as a business you know trying to say like what can i do to help other people mm-hmm. my struggle you know i know that i teach best what i need to learn most So for me to help myself, I have to help other people. That's just how I learn. That's how I grow. And, you know, once I kind of was serious with myself and leveled with myself like this is what you have to do, I loved helping people and I took it seriously i took it as a job and here we are you know
0: <laughs> that's great when you were diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and obviously that's no one's expecting that so you have this the way you started in life this this feeling a certain way about yourself and then being diagnosed with something else how was that for you
1: i honestly think the only reason i was able to deal with you know getting diagnosed with a lifelong condition mm-hmm. you know and a lifelong autoimmune disease uh, it was because i had been battling the mental struggle of living with the disability and i had finally learned how to kind of be okay with myself i still hid my hand right. but i was okay with myself you know before i really was not okay with any part of myself mm-hmm. and at this point you know i was i was doing a lot better so when the diabetes came and i was like okay you got to do the best with what you got where you're at i re- read that quote somewhere and i'm like okay what can i do with this what how can i use this As momentum. You know, at the time I was studying law in college, I wanted to be a lawyer mostly because I just like to argue with people and I think that's (laughs) not a good reason to be a lawyer. Uh, There's a lot more than that. Now, if that was the job description, I 100% would be amazing at it. But um, (laughs) but seriously, I I ended up deciding to switch to exercise science because at the time that was my biggest goal. You know, Mm. I conquered dancing and drums and all this other stuff. But bodybuilding and lifting, I was told by so many people I couldn't just because I wasn't symmetrical and symmetry is what they judge on. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm stubborn. I'm competitive. I'm going to take that as a challenge. I got into exercise and I was like, maybe I could start, you know, working with other people with exercises that hold teach best, which need to learn mm-hmm, most. Mm-hmm. I ended up finding a client. Well, they found me an 11 year old with cerebral palsy. Oh, wow. i reached out to me and she's like, I think you would inspire him. And at this point, I'm like inspired. I'm like, I'm the one who needs inspiration, you know. <laughs> sure. But she's like, I think you would inspire him, and you could really help him, and I would love for you to work with my son. I was like, let me let me give it a shot. I went out and bought a bunch of equipment, and I went over to her house, and me and this kid, David, connected like on it's mm, amazing a crazy level. Like I worked with him every single week for six months, and we had so much fun. And this kid taught me more about life than I ever learned on any TED Talk or podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh kids were making fun of him because he could barely walk, you know? And kids were making fun of him at school and he told me that. I'm ready to rip their throats out. I'm of like course, I am too right now hearing the story. <laughs> right now, like I'll go. You know? I can train you from jail. We're good. Uh, <laughs> and That's before just I could get mad, he stopped me and he was like, But it's okay, Chris. They don't tell me who I am. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh, this
0: eleven-year-old just taught you this huge lesson.
1: Exactly. I'm like, I just learned the lesson he talked about last year. And I worked oh, wow. with him eight years ago. You get know what I'm saying? That's amazing. Now, wow. After working with this kid, he ended up running on the beach for the first time.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Wow. So
1: ew, exercise, fitness, working with people was my goal. Mm. That was I was on the right path. Diabetes. Now I'm in exercise science. Now my whole business is based on exercise. Boom. Things were starting to move, you know, and that's, that's when I really started to feel like, okay. Maybe I can do a little bit more with my life than just be that disabled kid. Yeah.
0: And you transitioned into multiple things. I mean, we're going to talk in just a few minutes about, I know you're on the NBC Titan Games, which is an amazing show, Uh, but you also now have a prosthetic. Walk us through that.
1: So uh, after getting into exercise science and all that, I ended up starting competing in powerlifting because I found out I was strong, but uh, I wasn't big enough to do bodybuilding yet. I did my first powerlifting meet and I won. (laughs) Congratulations. Seven meets after that, and then I broke four state records and one unofficial world record for the strongest disabled diabetic powerlifter in the world. So oh my gosh. I was like, okay, I like powerlifting. Powerlifting is good. I like lifting heavyweight. This is fun. Um, but at the time, I was still hiding my hand. You know, It wasn't until I got a prosthetic arm that I took my glove off. I hid my mm-hmm. hand from my girlfriend, from my friends. It wasn't until November of 2018 that I finally took my glove off after 17 years of wearing it. How was that for you? That was, I mean, that moment was insane. And of (laughs) course, I do everything on such a ridiculous scale. I was like, let me just make a video of me taking my glove off and post it to the internet because I'm scared for one person to see. Let's let (laughs) a bunch of people see. And by a bunch of people that video went so viral. I hit 2.8 million. Oh my views. So gosh. Wow. At, at this point, you know, it was a little bigger than, you know, just showing one person. Sure. So that was, th- it made it easy for me to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, uh, be open.
0: Well, cause people were celebrating it. They weren't, they weren't seeing it as a oh. deficit. They were seeing this as a milestone. So I think just that reframe for you, that support you got from all those views and all those people saying those great things, it also solidified what that meant for you.
1: It was absolutely insane. These people were messaging me. I've been hiding my disability from my wife for 20 years. I'm like, the, the messages I got from support was, it was crazy, you know? Wow. So the prosthetic arm helped me a lot with the mental stigma of being okay with myself and mm-hmm. being disabled. Some people are outright really cool with it. Some people aren't. And as a guy, we struggle with the stigma of, oh, you, you're not supposed to be self-conscious. You know, you're not supposed to have any emotions. You're not supposed to do anything sure. like that you're just strong, you know? No, no, we're, we're allowed to, we're human, you know? And that prosthetic helped me with that huge mental hurdle. Not to mention, I started developing carpal tunnel on my right hand, which is just from overuse, only mm-hmm. having my hand. So the prosthetic helps me with a lot of daily life functions and it looks super, super cool.
0: I know it it's, does. I saw pictures of it. I was like, that's really yeah. cool. you look like a, super, like a superhero. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, which led me to what I'm doing today. Now I travel the country uh, and the world speaking to kids, whether they kids and adults, whether they have disability diabetes or even at conferences and sales meetings about overcoming adversity and Mm -hmm. my message, which is limitations are self-imposed.
0: Yes, which is is very true. I mean, you know, everybody has some type of i don't want to use the word deficit but there's there's something in each of our lives that is a stumbling block and sometimes we don't realize that well for one we we haven't identified that it is a stumbling block we just allow life to just treat oh, us a way to the side. Yeah. Yeah. and we
1: kind of decide that you can't do anything about it but that's mm-hmm. our decision to lie to ourselves you know yes people come up to me all the time and they say oh man i would love to help people i would love to do what you do but my story isn't as cool as yours i'm like listen every single person listening to this podcast right now including you has the same story mm-hmm. as I do. Definitely. You went through some crap, you got over some crap, and more crap's coming. <laughs> yeah. If you can package that in a way that can tell someone how to help, you know, themselves get better, you're going to make a huge impact.
0: And you know, it's the whole aspect as well is if you've overcome something before the situation today may be different, but the mindset and the, the, the feelings that you experienced yeah. then you, you've are now currently feeling them. So if you did it before, you can do it again. And I think so many times people don't realize there's so much data in each person's past, which gives yeah. us so much fuel to overcome what we're currently facing today.
1: It's crazy. You know, if you think about what's the hardest thing you've ever had to go through in your life and you're here now, you did it, you made it, you won. Yes. You know, you took to, another you, breath. Yes, exactly. You're here. If, even if it didn't go the way you wanted it to, you're still here. So if you can get through that. I promise you can get through everything else.
0: I like to teach people that everything, every situation in our life is like a jigsaw puzzle piece. And with when you continually look at your life, because there are many things that just don't make sense. It will never make sense. And we'll never know why. But when you see what the outcome was, or perhaps a closed door opened up another door for somebody else, we can then start to see how those jigsaw puzzle pieces kind of link together to form this tapestry, this picture of who we are today. And so the more awareness that we have, and like I said before, if we take a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone, the lessons we learned from that event create the opportunity for another opportunity that's even greater, that we're now proactively a part of, that we're choosing how we're going to respond. We're choosing the outcome that's going to happen. So I think when people really isolate an event and say, this happened to me or this happened to me, we don't step back enough to look at the perspective because perspective always gives us understanding and awareness to say, okay, I don't understand that and I'll never understand it. But what came out Of that, and what came perhaps came out of years later has allowed me now to be the person I am today. You know, for example, for me, you know, I'm no different than anybody else. Multiple things have happened in my own life, but I love who I am today. It took me a long time to say that, but I love who I am today. And so each thing that I went through, or either something I put myself through or life happened, and now makes sense of of, who I am today. And once again, when we can find that, I love who I am today, it then links together, like I said, into that beautiful puzzle piece or that picture of who we are today.
1: I love that, and you know to add to that, though a it's a great way to conceptualize like what what it is to go through life and hit these roadblocks, you know sometimes those puzzle pieces seem like they'll never fit mm-hmm. until you spin the puzzle around until you change the perspective of how you look at the entire puzzle, yes, until you change your perspective of how to use that one piece, that one event in your life that doesn't make sense, and honestly, sometimes in life I've found that we, we try and make sense of everything when something's just simply never makes sense. Yeah. sense. We, we need a reason. We need to apply a reason to why something happens. Sometimes you just stubbed your toe because you stubbed your toe. <laughs> Don't true. get stuck trying to make it like, oh, it's because I'm a Libra. You know, it's not because mm. you're, a, <laughs> you know, that's it. Let's move yeah. on moving forward instead of looking back where your you know, ashy skin is left on the sidewalk.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it also goes back to this place of we many times will conceptualize, The outcome of an event is there's something wrong with us. There's a deficit within us. There's I'm I'm not
1: attractive. Story that has zero emotion.
0: Yes, exactly. And so when we don't when we create it that we're the fault or the reason why, then it creates like you said earlier that limiting belief. And then an event then becomes who we are as opposed to just an event.
1: An event can never become who we are without your permission. Exactly. Um, Something I do want to add though that I actually got it was really weird. It was the first time that ever happened. I got backlash on something I was talking about, about uh, changing a perspective as a person with a disability. And someone's like, no amount of positivity will ever give me my leg back or give me my arm back. Let me clarify. No amount of positivity or most likely medication will give you your leg or your arm back or make your condition better. You know, we can learn to treat it, but I don't think positivity cures anything, but I do think it treats a bad mindset. And that's the main thing we have to live off of, not our body, but the way we think, you know? And I wanna clarify
0: that. Yeah, and I think that's a great clarification. Let me piggyback off that as well, is when we compare what was versus what is, It's always going to be, quote, less than, because when we get stuck in, perhaps, for this example, the mobility of something, for someone to lose their mobility, yes, that's not going to be better. It's going to be different. So we have to remove what was and keep that separate because it will never be today. So now we have to take the new framework to say okay, what can I do? Or what is, as opposed to what was, when we have that grief, we get lost in that. And that's when people compare. And that's where that quote positivity will never be, will never fix it. We're not trying to fix it. We're looking at what is.
1: I am not a positivity hippie. Like if the burning, if the building is on fire, I'm not going to stand in there and chant myself out of the building. (laughs) I'm going to run out, you know, I'm not dumb. But but seriously, if something happens, if I were to lose my legs and I couldn't walk anymore, it would, change my life of course but it doesn't would change my message and my vision and my purpose because my purpose is to help other people regardless of my limbs or digits or what i'm going through my purpose is to help other people you know yes so that to me when i that's my personal thing I will always be driven to do that regardless. As mm-hmm. long as my heart is still beating, I will find a way to do that.
0: Well, it's, it's the augmentation or the changes of what we can do versus what we cannot. And I think once again, when people get stuck in that. Stuck in what, they
1: get stuck in what they can't do and Correct. then all they do is drill what they can't do. And I don't need a reminder of what I can't do because I'm well aware. Mm-hmm. You know, I need a reminder of what I can do. And uh, I posted a little quote yesterday on my Instagram, You know only people who can see the invisible can do the impossible yes, you know too. and when when you think about stuff like that, like your vision has to be bigger than what you went through. If it isn't, you're only going to have the past as your future and that's not going to get you anywhere.
0: Exactly. Especially if you feel it comes from a place of feeling less than, then yes, then your perception. Yeah. What, what we call my field, emotional forecasting. What I feel today, I forecast to my future. If I feel it today, that means I will always feel it. And that yeah. unfortunately causes us to get stuck in not being able to become who we f- fully could become. We get stuck in what we cannot be.
1: I like that. That's awesome. All
0: right. Well, Chris, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on my show today. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you, to follow you on Instagram, to watch you on NBC, uh, The Titan Game, where would they find all this information online?
1: My name is Chris Rudin. So everything at Chris Rudin, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, or my website, chrisrudin.com. And you can catch me on The Titan Games with Dwayne The Rock Johnson on NBC on Thursday nights.
0: Excellent. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I really appreciate your time.
1: Absolutely. I had a great time. Thank you for having me.
0: I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guest's self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.